Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Back about a month ago, many of us were panic buying toilet paper and dried pasta. Regina Masati and her colleagues were making different preparations. They were stockpiling a few months' worth of wolf food. And yes, I said wolf. And that is what a wolf howl actually sounds like. That was news to me. Uh, Now, Regina Masati is the Director of Animal Care and Conservation at the Endangered Wolf Center. The Eureka organization houses approximately 70 wolves. And this is no Tiger King setup where big cats are there just to be gawked at. They specialize in conservation. And joining us today to talk about the work the center is doing is Regina Masati. Regina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So what does a few months' worth of wolf food even look like? Like, I'm thinking in terms of both <laughs> quantity and what do these guys even eat? Like, what are you, what did you have to stockpile when you knew that this pandemic was coming? True. It's not the rice and beans that you saw flying off the shelves of the grocery store. <laughs> uh, for us, it's meat um, and whole prey and uh, wolf chow, um, which is similar to your dog chow at home. And... Um, we have huge walk-in freezers that can handle holding all of that meat. So you say whole prey? Did I hear that right? What, what kind of whole yes. prey do your... Whole um... prey. <laughs> that is one of the best things that you can see because it's a whole diet in one. It's what they would eat when they're out in the wild. So it's anything like rabbit, quail, turkey, and deer. Wow. So when we think of the big bad wolf, like they're out there looking for little pigs to eat or maybe even a little (laughs) child walking to granny's house, is that stereotype far off from what these wolves are really like when they're out in the wild? It is the exact opposite of what they're really like. And it's, it's amazing what those stories that you grow up with can do to conservation efforts. And you named one, like Three Little Pigs, Little Red Riding Hood. Even modern um, movies like Frozen and Beauty and the Beast have wolves chasing main characters in them. And wolves in real life are actually very shy. Hmm. They run away from people. They want nothing to do with them. So it's the exact opposite of what you see on TV. What that does is it makes people think that they're this big, scary animal. And if you're scared of something, you don't want to save it. And we put a lot of effort into saving wolves because they are what's called a keystone species, which means they're very important to keeping the ecosystem healthy. And give us some of the reasons why. Um, you know, we don't even think of them as being part of the food chain here in Missouri. But, you know, what are they helping to do just by existing and eating what they would eat? Sure. And actually, I wish we still had them in Missouri. We used to. We used to have the American red wolf in the, in, um, the lower half of the state. Um, but we they went extinct um, mm. close to 50 years ago. And the reason I wish they were back is we learned in the last several decades how important wolves are to keeping everything balanced and healthy. And a great example of that is what happened in Yellowstone. Um, wolves were eradicated from Yellowstone in the early 1900s. They were hunted to extinction. The thought back then was if we hunt all the deer or hunt all the wolves, mountain lions, bears, get rid of them, it'll be hunter's paradise for us. More elk, more deer for us. Um, but what we didn't know back then was that everything was has a connection to everything else. And if you remove one thing, everything collapses. And scientists brought wolves back to Yellowstone in 1995 um, as an effort to restore what used to be there. They Hmm. really had no idea how that was going to affect the ecosystem. They just wanted to bring something back that was lost. And it was actually a plant biologist that realized how much of an impact those wolves coming back had on the park. 
what he started to see is that affordable came back. The park had lost a lot of its vegetation. It lost trees and shrubs and flowers. And the reason why is that the wolves, the elk population skyrocketed. It over doubled what the ecosystem could handle. And mm-hmm. so they would eat everything down to the dirt. When a tree would fall, no new trees would replace them because the elk would eat the saplings. And what that did is animals that depended on those trees and like songbirds, butterflies, amphibians started to disappear. Um, And when the wolves came back, they started to bring the elk population to a healthy level. They didn't deplete it. They didn't decimate it because wolves can only eat so much, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But they brought them down to a healthy level and those plants started to come back. And when the plants came back, the songbirds came back. And one of the coolest animals that came back that they hadn't seen in the park for a long time was the beaver. Because beavers need trees, and since there were no trees, they, they left. Wow. When they came back, they started to create these beautiful pools that were habitat for endangered um, fish, uh, like steelhead trout, like um, certain amphibians that were there, waterfowl started to come back and nest in the area. So it just had this amazing effect on bringing back this diversity. And it was just a beautiful thing to witness. And it taught us a lot as scientists and as humans of how fragile the ecosystems are and how we should work to keep everything intact. And that it actually benefited humans, too. Um, the wolves were taking elk that were sick. They weren't going hmm. after the big, healthy ones. They were taking the ones that had diseases that could spread to us or could spread to our livestock. Um, so they were doing us a favor, too, which is pretty awesome. Well, I got to say, I came in as a complete wolf skeptic. I think I've been watching too many Disney movies with my kid <laughs> lately. Some of the ones you name check there, those are on permanent repeat at our house. And you have me persuaded. Like, they need to be out there eating the elk so the elk don't decimate everything else. I mean, it, it is just amazing to think about. And I'm wondering if any of our listeners out there have questions about wolves, because uh, we have Regina Masati here who can clearly answer them. Um, you can give us a call at 314. 314- 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. And Regina, as you were saying, these wolves are not here in Missouri anymore. But I understand that through um, the Endangered Wolf Center, where you work, that there is actually some happy news as far as wolves go. What is this new news? I guess this just happened there. Yes, we are super excited to announce that we had our first litter born this spring. So spring is puppy season at the Wolf Center. That's one of the big reasons that we had to prepare and make sure we had enough food is to take care of these mamas mm. and their new puppies. And we had a litter of uh, five puppies born to two of our Mexican wolves, uh, Vera and Mac. And Mexican wolves are critically endangered with only about 200 left in the wild, most of which are found in Arizona and New Mexico. Hmm. So for these pups who were just born there at the center, I know you have quite a bit of acreage there. What's the ultimate goal for them? So one of the reasons that the Endangered Wolf Center is so unique is that we are a conservation center. We focus on saving endangered species. Uh, Marlon Perkins founded our center almost 50 years ago, 1971. Hmm. So next year we get to celebrate our 50th anniversary. And for any of your audience that remembers, Marlon Perkins um, was the host of Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. So he was the original crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin, that brought wild places and wild animals into your living room through the TV. Um, and really his hope was to help 
teach people why these animals are so important and how cool they are and want them to go out and conserve and be stewards of the environment themselves. And so when he founded the center with his wife, Carol Perkins, they did that because they saw how the wolf specifically was so misunderstood and that it was in danger of extinction. A lot of different species of canids were. And so what we do at the center, based on his legacy, is we've literally helped save two species from extinction, the Mexican wolf and the American red wolf, which are literally the most endangered wolves in the world. Um, and what we do is we don't only breed them at the center, but we work with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to release them back to where they're native to get those endangered populations up in the wild so that we can help preserve that species. We also do research for a scientific facility that learns more about the animals. The more we learn about them and know about them, the better decisions we make in regards to conservation. And we also do education. One of the, my favorite parts of the job is being able to talk to people about how awesome these animals are and why I love watching their families grow and play together and share that passion and knowledge with everybody. So that handoff, though, taking these five little pups from being there um, in your acreage to getting them back into a fully wild area, that's got to be so tricky. What's the most challenging part of getting them back to where you ultimately want them to be? It is. Well, so for a long time, what we did is we focused on releasing adults. So we breed them at our center, um, and we're hands-off. We don't, for our Mexican wolves and our red wolves, we don't pet them, we don't talk to them, we don't habituate them to humans at all. And the reason why they're naturally afraid of people, and that's an important skill that they need to survive in the wild. Hmm. And so um, we were releasing adults, and we would, you know, put the wolves in a crate and fly them down and release them. And that's a lot of work, and it's, it's pretty... Um, tough on staff and, and expensive and all that stuff. So um, what we have been able to work with the Fish and Wildlife Service um, in the last few years to develop is a very creative, unique way to get animals, the population out in the wild, increase as well as get new genetics into that wild population. Genetics plays an important role when you're talking about endangered species because, as we know, the more diverse our genetics are, the less inbred we are, the healthier that population will be, and they can survive different diseases, their pups grow stronger and survive. And so what we do is we take pups now that are born just a few days old, maybe a week or two old at the most, the size of potatoes, basically, little (laughs) potato pups. Um, We fly them down to the recovery area, and working with the field biologists on the ground, we can tell where um, wild wolf mamas have been, and if they've been the same time as our mama did, we can the age of the puppy, and we can actually send our puppies into her litter, and she will raise them as her own. And now we have genetics into the wild, but we also have a wild um, set of stay away from people, how to hunt, who already have a territory established, and they can teach those important life skills to those puppies. So when they grow up, they're successful, and they get those genetics spread throughout the population. Okay. And Regina, we were having a little problem with your phone line there. We're actually going to call you back here real quickly, get you back on what will hopefully be a clearer line. This whole conversation is so fascinating. Um, So I'm just going to be sort of filling you in on a couple things while we make sure to get Regina back. I know we also have some callers, and and hopefully we'll be getting to those in a minute as well. Um, If you're waiting for Regina Masati, who, again, is the Director of Animal Care and Conservation at the Endangered Wolf Center, to come back and join us, we do want to remind you that you can also join our St. 
St. Louis on the Air Facebook page. Um, all you have to do to go to that is to go to Facebook. If you search for St. Louis on the Air there, um, you can ask to join that group. And once you're in that group, we have all sorts of good conversations going on in that. We get ideas for our shows. We ask your opinion on things we're going to talk about. Um, and that would really be a great way to join us. And I understand Regina Masati is back on the line. Regina, can you hear me? I can hear you great. Oh, and your phone line sounds so much better. So <laughs> thank you for thank you for working with us on that. Um, so, Re- Regina, you were describing this process whereby they take these baby wolves and sort of insert them into another mother's care. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And it's what's amazing is it's, it's called cross-fostering. So we take pups that are born in the captive program from Mexican wolves that we have, and we put them into wild Mexican wolf litters. And the reason that's important is the genetics in the captive program are more diverse than what's in the wild since there's so few in the wild. And we're able to get new genetics and make the wild population healthier as well as increase it. And the best part about it is that you get these wild mamas and and their dads that help raise them, these puppies, and teach them all the important skill sets to survive in the wild. Hmm. I want to go to the phone lines. Uh, Jay is calling from Normandy. Jay, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Yes, hi, and I really appreciate what she's doing. Um, I see occasionally very disturbing pictures on the Internet or on whatever, social media, of people trophy hunting still, mm-hmm. wolves and um, and foxes. I saw the most recent one, fox, a fox. And these people are, it's just shameful. I'll just say it that way. I can't think of anything more disgusting, killing these magnificent animals. Um, also, my daughter works um, in the state of Washington, and I believe there's a wolf center up there. And I'd like your comments. Do you work with them, them at all uh, in Washington State? Jay, thank you for that. And that's a great question. Um, Regina, do you ever work with a wolf center out in, in Washington State or in other wolf centers around the country? There are several other conservation centers that are um, very good at what they do throughout the country. And one of the ones that we work with is in Washington called Wolf Haven International, and they are a spectacular center. Hmm. Well, that's great and to I hear. Totally, yeah, and I totally understand Jay's um, concerns about seeing the trophy hunting. One of the most important things that you can do to help wolves is to share the knowledge that you're learning about them so that people aren't scared of them. A big issue um, is poaching for some of these endangered species. And a lot of it is because if you're, again, if you're afraid of something, you don't want to save it, but also learning how to coexist. If you realize that you can have um, your livelihood, whether it's cattle or hunting or the, you know, being out in nature and, and learn how to coexist with all sorts of wildlife, not just wolves, um, that is what's going to help us really conserve a lot of these different species. Hmm. So, Regina, in terms of the work that you're doing, um, you know, unlike the St. Louis Zoo, you don't have a taxing district that helps fund you. Where does the revenue come from for this uh, wolf conservation work? We don't wait. We actually um, are fully funded by tours. So people coming to the center and learning about um, the amazing animals that we have through guided tours. We actually have naturalists um, right there that can answer your questions. Um, as well as um, getting membership, um, donating, buying stuff from our gift shop, which is really cool. We have some awesome stuff there. Um, and one of the best ways that we have been able to figure out how to live in the land of COVID right now mm-hmm. is we've created virtual meet and greets where you can meet some of our animals and our incredible uh, expert animal keeper staff um, one-on-one. And one of the reasons that we developed this is because we know there's a lot of parents at home right now who are struggling to find um, 
STEM-based content for <laughs> filling in some of those science classes. Sure. And it's a great way to do it. And by signing up for those programs, you're helping contribute to the conservation work that we do. Have you seen people uh, are excited to take you up on that? Oh, yes. Actually, we just announced it last week, and we were already booked every day. Wow. Week, which is, yes, we're so excited. And honestly, we miss talking to people, which I'm sure a lot of people out there feel that way. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's really cool to connect with all the different people, not just from St. Louis, but from all over the world. We are, we're getting people from all over the United States and um, some of our Facebook um, live chats that we've done, we're getting people from all over the world. So it's really neat to see the community step up and, and reach out to us. Well, that's a great option. If people want to know more about that, should they go to your website or, or social media accounts? What's the best place to learn more? Yes, both, actually. Um, Facebook is a great place, um, as well as our website, which is endangeredwolfcenter.org. So I'm wondering, though, I mean, you know, we talked to the St. Louis Zoo about all this. They've seen some real changes with their animals now that there's not all these people flocking to and fro all the time. It sounds like the wolves are more trying to avoid you guys and vice versa. You don't want them to lose that that fear of man. Um, Have there been any changes that you've noticed to their behavior now that everybody's on lockdown? Well, um, our center is really unique because it is set on this beautiful piece of 2,000-acre property, and so it's very quiet and serene already. Um, so I'm not sure our animals have noticed too much of a difference, with the exception of we have less, less staff on property, and obviously our tours are, are minimal. Um, all of our staff, except for our animal care staff, is working from home, so we want to make sure that they stay safe. Um, but our animal care staff is coming in and taking care of the animals uh, still, which I have to give a huge shout out to them. They have been amazing through all of this and figuring out ways to um, ensure that we always keep the best care possible, but that they stay safe at the same time. So um, the animals are doing pretty good. I think they're just happy it's spring and there's beautiful weather. Yeah, and that's that's so great to hear. And I'm so excited about these five little Mexican wolf pups. I just think that that's just the happiest news right now. You guys must be over the moon. We are. We are. And we are working on trying to figure out what our next steps are with conservation um, and trying to manage all of that right now. So that is a big part of our job, which it always is. Um, so we're, we're really excited and we appreciate everybody that's been helping us. Um, we, we have seen a lot of the St. Louis community step up and help the center. As you, you know, mentioned earlier, we don't get funding from taxes or from the federal government, even though we're doing conservation work with the service. And um, it has been uh, very emotional and, you know, overwhelming just to see the support that we've gotten in puppy season with people reaching out and making donations so that we can make sure everybody's well fed and well cared for. Well, Regina Masati, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. You guys stay safe and healthy. You as well. And Regina, again, is the Director of Animal Care and Conservation at the Endangered Wolf Center in Eureka. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.